chilling greetings to each and every one of you. Thank you so very much for stopping by and making Paranormal Brawlers podcast part of your day. Those tunes you just heard are, as always, courtesy of the phenomenal Bobby Mackey, and I, of course, am your host, Tessa Morrow. This week we find ourselves in Baltimore, Maryland, with the amazing skyline reflecting off of the water. Today we will venture to Westminster Burying Grounds, located in the heart of Baltimore, on 519 West Fayette Street. These gorgeous burial grounds, well, they were established back in 1787 by the First Presbyterian Church. And around 65 years later, In 1852, the Westminster Presbyterian Church is built right on top of the burial ground, creating catacombs. Doing this was considered to make the cemetery sacred, holy, and protected. Basically, can't touch this. Untouchable. And in 1974, it gains a spot in the National Register of Historic Places, rich in history and Uh, dare I say, extremely haunted, many people, they rest here eternally. Quite the variety, such as writers, poets, politicians, merchants, mayors, several American Revolutionary War, and also soldiers for the War of 1812, an attorney general, the secretary of the Navy, congressman, secretary of the state, I mean, so many different folks indeed, and the list it just keeps going on. Some of the notable residents include the namesake for Fort McHenry, James McHenry, General Sam Smith, James Calhoun, who had the pleasure of being the very last mayor of Baltimore town and the very first one for the city of Baltimore. So that's pretty neat. Now, Edgar Allan Poe, along with his wife, Virginia, her mother, Maria, his brother, William Henry Leonard Poe, and grandfather, General David Poe Sr., well, they also lie here eternally. Poe has always amazed me, and you're going to hear more about him in a short while. One person who is not buried here, but has family here, and also a dedicatory of him at Westminster, is a man named Philip Barton Key II. While he is buried at Hill Cemetery, his story is worth mentioning. Philip, he was a man of many talents. He was a successful lawyer, and he had also served as a U.S. attorney in D.C. His fate would be sealed, though, when he decides to have an affair with a woman named Teresa Bagioli Sickles. Teresa, she could 
not have been more unavailable. She was married to Congressman Daniel Edgar Sickles. One day, Congressman Sickles is going about his own business as usual when he suddenly receives a letter. This unwanted letter will change his life and the lives of others forever. It shares with him the extramarital affair that's going on between his wife, uh, hello, the love of his life, and of Philip Barton Key II. Now, unfortunately, this was not a perfect marriage. Which one is, right? Let's just say that Teresa was not the only one to stray. Daniel had as well. They both have fallen into the arms of other people during their marriage. In fact, Daniel had several different affairs throughout the marriage. Several. Even though he too shared guilt of being with another, he sees red. Just who the bloody hell does this guy, Philip, think he is? The man, he looks out the window. On the bench across the street is a good-looking, dapper fellow. Dressed nicely as if he has somewhere important he needs to be, yet there he sits. The man on the bench seems to be looking in the direction of the house. In the house, the man can't help but sigh. <sighs> he kisses his wife goodbye as he ventures out for another work day. He walks across the street and around a nearby corner where he stops. He gently and quietly peeks and sees the good-looking fellow stand up, walk directly to his house. He does not even knock, but walks straight in. This is his house, but he's walking in as if he owns the place. Congressman Sickles, he sees Key sitting on the bench for a short distance from his house, too close for comfort, if you ask Daniel. Angry, he approaches the man who was giving it to his wife. He gets in the man's face and screams, Key, you scoundrel, you have dishonored my home. You must die. He then proceeds to shoot his wife's lover several times. This happened in close proximity to the White House, actually. Sickles, he confesses to the murder. This took place in broad daylight with witnesses around. There's no doubt that he was behind the murder. He's arrested and charged with this deadly crime. He was prepared, though, and he had an arsenal of defense attorneys at his side, including a man named Edwin Stanton, who would later become the Secretary of War, Sickles, and the man who once fought in the Battle of Gettysburg and had a leg amputated due to that battle, he yells that he is insane. Temporary insanity. This is the first case in the United States that insanity is used as a defense. Learn something new every day. He, well, he's eventually acquitted. You never know. Walking by Key's son-in-law's headstone and final resting place and with that is a dedication for key that such a story would exist that's one of the reasons that i just really adore cemeteries so much history so much more than meets the eye that you really don't know until you get your researcher boots on and do some major digging 
see what kind of fascinating pieces of history and some unique and different stories that you can unearth. Every headstone has a story behind it. Word is that long ago, the burial grounds, well, they fell victim to body snatchers. Like Carl Tanzler in Key West, you just heard about him a couple weeks ago, it's believed that two college students in Baltimore long ago decided it was okay to just dig up fresh bodies. And they would make a decent profit when they would sell the bodies, and in some cases, body parts, to university medical students. It is said that these two horrific individuals were caught in the act. This causes a riot, understandably so. And supposedly, one of the students is hanged during this riot. His spirit is said to roam the burial grounds to this very day. And guess what? He's not alone. This location, well, it's quite active. Actually, Westminster Burial Grounds is considered to be one of the most haunted locations here in Baltimore. A late groundskeeper is believed to haunt the burial grounds, still keeping an eye on things as he did in life, now he does in death. The apparition of an elderly gentleman has been seen here several times, walking past the graves. And yet another resident spirit is believed to be that of a 16-year-old girl, forever 16. Her name is Lucia, and she died over 200 years ago, back in 1816. She is always wearing a white gown with her beautiful long brown hair just flowing, and she's often seen kneeling down and praying right in front of her very own grave. Visitors, they've heard disembodied voices, mysterious footsteps, this type of heartbreaking, guttural, horrific scream, the sound of a woman just laughing manically. People have experienced cold spots, and at times things get physical as some claim to feel an icy cold hand resting upon their shoulder. People who have come here to investigate, well, they don't leave empty-handed. Some have captured EVP evidence, many times capturing a man's voice saying to get out. Also captured here is photo evidence. People have seen shadows darting about and floating balls of light with their very own eyes. Edgar Allan Poe has also been seen throughout the burial grounds as well, oftentimes at his very own burial site, just like 16-year-old Lucia. When he is seen, he is wearing older clothing, his hair is kind of matted, and people have taken note that he looks really sad. He has also been seen at the church. Now, for several years on the anniversary of Poe's death, a figure dressed all in black with a fedora and a cane would come to the grave. Some people think that this was his apparition, while others believe that it was just a diehard fan. The mysterious figure would often leave a flower, more specifically roses, and Edgar's favorite beverage of choice, cognac. Kind of reminds me of the mysterious woman who would often visit Rudolph Valentino's resting place, leaving him flowers and gifts as well, specifically on the anniversary of the death. 
It's so mysterious. I mean, part of me so wants to believe that this is his apparition, this is him, but a larger part believes that it most likely is a fan, keeping his memory alive, but who knows. The Westminster Burial Grounds also has a legend attached to it. Why not? The cemetery is home to the Screaming Skull of Cambridge. It's believed to be a skull that once belonged to a minister who lived not too far away from here, and unfortunately he was found brutally murdered. It is said that his head was cased in cement and buried somewhere in the cemetery grounds. So much for resting in peace, right? Several reports throughout time have come in about people hearing this horrific shriek-like scream. Reports share that they could hear the screaming continuously throughout the day and long into the late of night. This is believed to be Edgar Allan Poe's favorite song. And I want to read quickly a poem of his that's one of my favorites and it's titled Spirits of the Dead and this was published back in 1829 and it reads this Thy soul shall find itself alone mid dark thoughts of the gray tombstone not one of all the crowd to pry into thine hour of secrecy be silent in that solitude which is not loneliness, for then the spirits of the dead who stood in life before thee are again. In death around thee and their will shall then overshadow thee still, for the night the clear shall frown, and the stars shall look not down from their high thrones in the heaven, with light like hope to mortals given, but their red orbs without beam to thy weariness shall seem as a burning and a fever which would cling to thee forever. Now our thoughts thou shalt not banish, now our visions ne'er to vanish. From thy spirit shall they pass, no more like dew drop from the grass. The breeze, the breath of God is still in the mist upon the hill, shadowy, shadowy yet unbroken, is a symbol and a token, how it hangs upon the trees, a mystery of mysteries. Edgar Allan Poe, he was born in 1809. And before I jump into this, I just need to say that one of my favorite shirts that I have is of Edgar Allan Poe. It has him on it and it says, when it rains, it poes. And I, I swear to Edgar Allan Poe, that every time I wear it, it rains. And my boyfriend always kind of jokes around saying, geez, you want it to rain today? And there was one time where it was just like beautiful, blue, sunny skies, not a cloud in sight. And my boyfriend's like, well, hey, you're wearing this shirt, but it ain't going to rain today. And I'm like, we'll see. Later that day, several hours later, it was like torrential rain. I, I just think it's always like so funny when that happens. Wore a shirt a couple days ago. Guess what? Yeah, folks, that's right. It rained. So now I'm jumping back onto track here. Again, he was born in 1809. He was an exceptionally unique individual. He was well known for his short stories and his amazing poetry. Life, it, 
unfortunately did not come easy for Poe. When he was around, I would say, one year of age, his father abandoned the family for reasons unknown, and his mother, she dies that very following year, making the very young Edgar, three years old, mind you, an orphan. The year, it is now 1835. Edgar Allan Poe is living in Baltimore. He is 26 years old when he marries his cousin, 13-year-old Virginia Clem. The married life, it's treating them good. They remain married up until Virginia's untimely death due to consumption, a.k.a. tuberculosis. She dies in 1847. Edgar, he will never recover from her death. He is utterly heartbroken. He is beside himself. She was the inspiration for some of his best writings. He dies less than two years after Virginia. One day in October, he's found in an odd and eccentric state. It's now 1849. He's dazed and he's quite confused. He's roaming the street. He's delirious. He had spent some time at the Horse You Came In on Saloon, which also is very haunted, and I will talk about that shortly. The Horse You Came In on is a saloon that he had visited several different times to wet the old whistle. What's really interesting is that Edgar was wearing somebody else's clothing. How he got it, whose it was, or why he was wearing it was anyone's guess. And where did his clothing go? Like, what the hell? It was quite a mystery. Still is. He is sent to the hospital where, I believe it was on the fourth day, he dies. At the time of his death, he was only 40 years old. I mean, I know a lot of ladies don't like to share their age, but that's how old I am. I'm 40. 40 years old. Like, holy shit, that's young. While at the hospital, Poe, he goes in and out of consciousness. He couldn't even keep down water. They would try to give him water. He couldn't do it. Couldn't drink it. His temperatures, they're soaring. And then they plummet dramatically, making some believe that his cause of death could have been rabies. He was known to befriend animals of all kinds, but had a special place in his heart for cats. Did he contract rabies from one of his feline comrades? When he was found... Not only was he wearing somebody else's clothing, but he repeatedly kept saying a name that was not his own. Reynolds. Reynolds. So what was Edgar Allan Poe's cause of death? There are several guesses, opinions, and speculations, but nobody knows for sure. Some of the guesses include syphilis, cholera, alcohol poisoning, delirium, carbon monoxide poisoning, epilepsy, meningitis, and rabies, as I just mentioned. As you see, there are many different ways people think that he possibly could have died. Another possible COD is downright terrifying and bone-chilling, cooping. This was when somebody would be kidnapped and forced to vote for specific political candidates. The victim would be given crazy amounts of alcohol to where they couldn't even function. They couldn't think straight. And they would be held against their will 
and would be beaten and tortured until they basically voted for the specific person that the kidnappers wanted them to vote for. So much for having a mind of your own, am I right? Now, oftentimes, these victims, they would be found in somebody else's clothing so the person could not be recognized or identified. Not by glancing, anyways. This would explain why Edgar was not wearing his own clothing and kept repeating Reynolds over and over again. Reynolds. Was that his voting name? Who knows? In 1875, 26 years after Edgar passes away, some pretty phenomenal school kids had a project that they called Pennies for Poe. And they raised enough money for a monument, which was dedicated to Poe, of course, and it was to be erected right at the entrance of the cemetery. Due to this, he was moved and buried and reunited with his wife, Virginia. The Horse You Came In On Saloon, America's oldest continually operated saloon, was established back in 1775, and guess what? It's the only bar in Maryland that was around before, during, and after the Prohibition. Located in historic Fells Point, now this is a location that I have on my list, have had it on there for quite a while. It has everything that I love, history, and spirits both beverage and ghost. Plus, I just love saloons. Walking through those doors, you feel like you are walking back in time. The atmosphere, there's just something about it. That's why every year when I'm in Tombstone, on a daily basis, I'm going to the Oriental Saloon, Crystal Palace Saloon. I'm enjoying them. Just the history that it holds on to is priceless. Now, for those who frequent the horse you came in on saloon, I'm sure many try to envision Edgar Allan Poe walking in. I know when I'm at the Oriental, I close my eyes and I can see, I can picture Doc Holliday and Wyatt Earp and all of those guys playing Pharaoh, dealing Pharaoh, having a drink, smoking some cigars. I bet people try to envision Edgar Allan Poe doing the same thing enjoying a nice cognac, as he did so many times in life. It is believed that this is the last known location that he was at before he died ever so mysteriously. Several people have reported seeing Edgar's full-bodied apparition walking on the street and headed right towards his favorite watering hole. This is a rather haunted location as well. Many have bore witness to seeing what looks to be a bright white light hovering over the bar and moving about. The chandelier will move all on its own, dancing wildly back and forth. The bar manager shared that at one time they saw an apparition at the bar, and this was around a time when nobody was around. Then you have what I call the annoying, inconvenient activity when it comes to hauntings. Glassware will suddenly just start flying off the shelves. Bar stools will get pushed around by unseen hands and forces. And the cash register will grow a mind of its own and open at the most inconvenient or random times. I mean, this is something you definitely do not want, especially if the cashier is not close by and the wrong, you know, dishonest person is lurking about. I mean, that's a good payday right there. So I hope you guys enjoyed this trifecta of an episode touching down on two haunted locations, that being the Westminster Burial Grounds and the horse you came in on Saloon and the fascinating 
Edgar Allan Poe. This week's special city shoutouts go to Hemet, California, Arvada, Colorado, Lawrenceville, Georgia, Townsville, Australia, and Beckett, Texas. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Listen to the others. They're equally awesome. Haven't heard every single one yet? Well, really, there's no need to fret, sweetheart. You can binge listen right now by hitting up any of those awesome podcast platforms, such as Google Chrome, iTunes, Podbean, Podcast Republic, Luminary, Basically, wherever you may roam to hear your other spooky podcasts, you'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers podcasts lurking in the background. Do you have an idea for an episode? Perhaps you want to be on a future episode and share your own spooky tell. Want to be a voiceover for a future episode? You guys, reach out to me. I would love to hear from you. Paranormal Prowlers podcast Facebook page or email me at paraprowl at gmail.com. Thanks. I will see you next week.